This episode features an interview with Amanda Davis. Amanda Davis is a woman of many talents. The Memphis-born, LA-based audio engineer, educator, production manager, singer, and musician has learned the ropes from some of the industry's best and is using her skills and connections to empower women around the globe. Amanda has mixed legendary artists, Prince and Stevie Wonder, and has mixed in some of the world's most renowned venues and events. The White House, Madison Square Garden, Radio City Music Hall, The Hollywood Bowl, Coachella, The Grammys, The Oscars, Glastonbury Fest, Good Morning America, The Today Show, uh, The Montreux Jazz Festival, Saturday Night Live, BET Awards, and American Idol. That is a very impressive uh, list of places, Amanda. We are so happy to have you on our podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I haven't uh, heard my bio read. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Today, we also have uh, Willa Snow filling in for Becky for our podcast host. So welcome, Willa, from Austin. Thanks, Susan. Hi, everyone. Great to be back. Yeah, we've had Willa on a couple of times, so Mm -hmm. it's it's hopefully a familiar voice for you guys. So familiar. Uh, It's like home. (laughs) or like your aunt's house that you visit on occasion (laughs) since becky is the main person here (laughs) susan you have the the perfect voice for this (laughs) she really does though Mm -hmm. it's it's been cultivated over the past year of doing this it's well since i'm a teacher it's also my my job to talk all day (laughs) um so we were chatting before we started recording, and you said that you've recently come back to Memphis from L.A. So mm-hmm. how has that been treating you to come back to your like hometown area? It's been very cool. Um, like I told you, I never thought that I would move back to Memphis. But um, COVID, I think, brought a lot of things to the forefront that all of us thought we would never have to think about but it's been it's really been um a blessing and I've been able to continue to work in audio um and I'm so grateful because I know my a lot of my colleagues have been trying to you know figure it out in this time of the world stopping and live events just completely going away um So it's been really cool to be able to continue to work in audio, work at a recording studio, and I also work at a church um, doing the recordings of the virtual services and everything like that. So it's been it's been pretty cool. Have you done the church work before or is this new to you? Uh, I did. I started that was my very first live sound gig was at a church in Atlanta uh, at Peachtree Presbyterian Church. That's how I learned that live sound is what I wanted to do and not be in the studio um yeah but you like both you do studio work and live I do like both I do like both but if I had a choice definitely live sound (laughs) it keeps you on your toes that's yeah (laughs) uh tell us about um if you want to the studio that you're working at and anything do you have any exciting projects that you're working on right now? Oh, yeah. I'm at um, For You Recording, which is um, a part of a bigger business made in Memphis Entertainment, ran by and started by um, David Porter, who is a hall of, a songwriter, Hall of Famer. Um, it, you've probably, Soul Man is one of the most popular ones, um, but anything you've probably heard that's been sampled 
Dave Reporter has been a part of. So it's pretty cool to be um, alongside him being here, working in the studio that he built. Um, but yeah, I've just been working on projects with local artists and um, getting my, with my experience of being a vocalist and degree in vocal performance and stuff, getting more into vocal production and so which I love doing. So that's been super cool to be creative in that in that aspect. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I've really just been enjoying it. And 2020 was 10 years of me starting this audio path. I started at SAE in 2010. So for 2020 to bring me back home and bring me back to the studio was kind of crazy and cool. Um, to just kind of make that full circle um, pathway, close it out. And uh, yeah, it's been learning more about Pro Tools and like studio culture versus the live sound culture is way different. Um, but I'm I'm digging it. I like being here and, and, and honing in on the mixing skills as far as the studio is concerned. So since you've been trained as a vocal per performer, how has... Uh, your knowledge of vocal technique and the uh, inner workings of being a vocalist, how has that assisted you in your endeavors as an engineer or a producer? Oh, it totally informs everything, how I approach a lot of my mixes and, and recording sessions. Mm -hmm. Like I tell anyone who wants to come record with me, like we're going to work. I'm not going to, I'm not that engineer. It's just hitting three and like, Oh yeah, it's cool. Like, no, mm -hmm. you're going to, want to make sure the best performance comes out of it because I have been on that other side and I understand what it takes and what is needed to bring it out of someone. Mm -hmm. um, so it definitely, and especially like in a live sound area, it informs how I approach my mixes because in school I studied classical music. So being exposed to all types of instruments and, and sounds and everything really helps to um, how I approach my mixes and making sure everything is good and leveled off. And especially working with singers, you know, making knowing the frequency range singers um, are in and comparing it to other instruments and where things need to dip out or be enhanced and everything like that. I definitely noticed that myself when I started doing live sound because I'm, I'm also a, a vocalist. Uh, I'm, I didn't train in opera uh, <laughs> like you did. And that's amazing. I, I tried and I just I couldn't. <laughs> it, <is laughs> but different. I it is different. Yeah. And it's amazing. Like those that are able to sing opera, I just I bow down to because that is a whole other skill set. So, and sing, singing in general mm, is yeah. a lot of work that I think mm -hmm. a lot of people who um, you know, like just the regular population, I guess, quote unquote, yeah. don't understand that singing is a lot of work. It takes it a is. lot for someone to be a pop singer, R&B, opera, whatever. Like singing in general it takes mm -hmm. a lot of brain power and, and physical power. I never tried to put that away as like an easy thing for people to do because you, you've heard people sing poorly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they still do it, but exactly. to to have that skill set, I mean, I've I've been in you know theater and event production my whole career, so I I still have that. Um, oh, what word am I looking for? Not passion, but excitement about it because mm -hmm. I'm not mm -hmm. a singer at all. I cannot sing. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> and especially so, with the uh, the pop artists that you work with, Amanda, like it's a very vocal heavy yeah. sort of world. And also, how I would imagine that having that that background that 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 uh, language uh, bridge, I um, so sure. to speak, like since you're able to say like. I know like this resonator sounds like this and you know mm -hmm. maybe this placement in the skull sounds like that and then so you're able to tailor w the space and the mix to that sort right. of thing to make the voice come out, out as clear as it needs to right exactly mm -hmm. yeah that that is something i think about you know and what i mean by it it heavily informs how i approach my mixes and everything especially dealing with vocalists like a like a janelle who is a like straight up singer Mm -hmm. you know people get um I think some people kind of get blinded by the everything else that goes along with her artistry but um uh, she's definitely like a singer <laughs> so it mm -hmm. you know I just have to be um um I just that's just something I have to really focus on and make sure is is cool and 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 understanding when she needs my help and when she doesn't need my help, as far as being an engineer and, you know, recognizing that, oh, she may be having a rough day today. Let me kind of tuck her more or let me add a little bit more reverb to kind of give it a little more, give her a little help or something. You know, it, mm -hmm. it, it helps to, to have that knowledge as a vocalist. Do you have that sort of a close communicative relationship with your artists just in general or are there any that you they just kind of rely on you to just do your thing? Um, most of my clients, yeah, I have, uh, I can, we communicate mm -hmm. and, and talk through some things and make sure that on the same page. I have to ask because you mix in like all of the places, uh, <laughs> which of the venues, you know, the famous venues that you've worked in, which of the ones that really stood out to you? Like what was very exciting for you to be mixing in? Um, I, I will have to say the White House. <laughs> yeah, you no, know, it was a, it was, um, it was a whole thing. Like the, the event, it was, um, July 4th and it was the, the last July 4th of the Obama administration. So oh. that was a whole like thing to celebrate. And then, so they have, they usually have their, uh, 4th of July celebration on the South Lawn, but it was raining. So we did load in as if it was going to be outside, but then the weather showed that it wasn't going to change. So we had to move it in and then cut some of the audience or whatever. But so it was a little kind of a weird day, but the fact that I was at the white house on what's supposedly independence day, but with the first black family, like black royalty on this day at the white house is that's just, I never could have thought that up for myself. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great show. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, what a what an awesome time to be able to have gone. Yeah. That sounds it, wonderful. Yeah, it was, it was really, uh, it was crazy. That was, that's, that's a career moment. That's awesome. Uh, we, we've read a couple articles about you where you were working with, um, line check women in live production where you would have uh younger people come with you and um you know shadow you and stuff like that so ha have you been able to do much of that in the past couple of years or do you think you're going to continue that once the 
uh, events start picking up again. Yeah, I did it on the Dirty Computer Run and with uh, LMA. I did it different. With the Janelle, I did a group of girls um, in select cities. It was like four to seven girls. Um, that I So Line Check is an initiative that I started to kind of expose more women, especially women of color, to um, live production because that is what I found is lacking is is just exposure. They don't even know. Yeah, we're trying to get more women and say, hey, hire more women. Mm -hmm. At the same time, they don't know that it's even an option for them. So we have to do our due diligence and, and create spaces to give exposure so that we are saying hire more women. There are women to hire. On the, with, on the Janelle tour, I opened it up in select cities to four to seven girls to show up at Soundcheck. And uh, I did a whole like vetting thing beforehand. I did one-on-one um, FaceTime interviews and everything. I didn't tell them who it was, who the Soundcheck would be for, like the artist's name, even though I knew probably once they saw me, they would probably figure it out, but I don't think any of them did. <laughs> <laughs> Because when they showed up, they were still like, oh, my God, it's Janelle on Because I didn't tell them until they walked into the, the venue. Um, and Janelle was super cool, you know, acknowledged them. So, you know, they made a lot of the girls' days. But um, they would, you know, observe soundcheck and ask any questions during soundcheck. I, I just had it open and I would take them on stage and show them how the stage is built, you know, uh, stage boxes cable runs, um, snakes, monitor world, everything. I had them talk to my stage manager once, uh, toured the road manager, who's a, 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 a woman, Renika Versi. Um, so it's just, it was just about exposing these girls to everything live production has to offer, not just being a front of house engineer or a monitor engineer. You know, you have production management, you have road management, you have um, wardrobe you have merch like this is anything that you want to do if you want to be on the road or in an entertainment industry these can be starting points or this can be something that you could build as a as a career um, and then on the when I did it with LMA I just kind of had one or two girls come and they I had them come at the start like at load in and if you were late you missed it like that's just a part of it because you gotta you gotta understand professionalism as well. It's not just about being on the road and saying you're an engineer or saying you're a production manager. Like you have to be a professional and understand that this is a job. You know, sometimes that gets lost because we're in the music industry and it's so laxed and it's fun for sure. Like we're having fun for sure. I love what I do. I miss work so much right now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's still a job. And you have to understand that and have and have the professionalism uh, approach to it. So if you showed up to my load in late, then I'm sorry, you just missed the opportunity because that's part of it. Not to be mean or anything, but you just have to understand that that's what it's that's what it's about. That's um, just reality. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah, you... When I was going to SAE, if you were five minutes late, they would literally lock the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you yep. would just have to come in the second half of class. Mm hmm. 
Cause yeah, the just... show's going to go on with or without exactly. you. It has to. Exactly. Like, there's a lot, especially at the level that you're at, there's a lot of money on the yeah, line. And exactly. there's a lot of people that have schedules that they need to adhere to. So mm-hmm. if you aren't there to do your part, they don't need you. They, they'll find somebody else. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, they will, I would have them just soon as loading starts, put them to work. This is how loading, because... Like I said, this is about exposure. I no one I knew nothing about touring when I started. No one told me what a load in was, load out, trying to be I'm just trying to help. Mm-hmm. And that's the point of line check. Um, the initiative is just help and expose people. We had read that in your very long history of working, <laughs> um that you worked on on cruise ships as well. Oh and God, that yeah. industry I am so I've been reading a lot about it because a lot of the uh, people are like that have been working on the ships are still stuck on the ships, which is terrifying. Um, most of the people I've talked to when they do a cruise ship, they either have an awesome experience or literally the worst experience. <laughs> so how, how was it for you? It was great for me Good. I, because I am... I've consciously adopted this uh, way of life within the last two years, but I, I'm just a mind my business person, <laughs> and I the ship can be kind of like high school socially, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. and you you could get distracted on that side of things as far as the way of life. And understanding that you're still at work, like I mentioned earlier, you know. Um, but it was great for me because I just, I love traveling. I love experiencing different things. And um, the ship was a great um, transition for me going into the touring world. Um, but it it is, it is kind of hard a hard life because i mean you live on a ship and depending on the the company i was with carnival and you have to commit to six months so i i was in atlanta it just started you know really kind of hitting the pavement and building my career and stuff like that in atlanta and then this opportunity came and i just had to leave for six months and and risk you know everyone just kind of forgetting about me and you know, building my career, but it um it was very beneficial because when you work on a ship, you're basically the only audio person. So I learned a lot, and <laughs> it was a lot of trial and error. That's really where the church, um, Peachtree Presbyterian, and the ship is really where I learned how to be a live sound engineer because SAE curriculum at the time that I went was studio based. Like I learned how to be a studio engineer. I had four days of live sound. And other than that, it was just like, figure it out. That sounds so familiar. (laughs) I had the same situation. It was just like three years of learning how to mix in in Logic, not even Pro Tools, in Logic. And then everything live sound has been on the job for me. Yeah. Like you you Mm -hmm. go to school or you get an internship. I did both. Mm -hmm. And it's just learning how to be in a studio and 
how to, you know, you learn Pro Tools. You don't really even learn how to run a session like efficiently. Mm-hmm. It, and that's that's the one thing that's kind of missing for me in in the education world of of audio is like give us some time to or give the students some time like just throw them in a session do something because I don't I don't think it's right to throw people in the fire at a a client is paying for the session like that's not the right time (laughs) like (laughs) especially if they've gone through school like the schools need to implement some type of some type of like mock session or something to like give people some a way to learn how they work because people different people work differently they do have different workflows and what works best for you may not be the same as the engineer that you're shadowing or you know sitting next to and just looking at them do quick keys and you trying to figure out i mean they're quick keys so they're doing them so quickly you don't even Mm -hmm. know what they hit to in or you know in pro (laughs) tools those are all custom anyways (laughs) exactly Mm -hmm. so it's like it needs to be some time set aside for people to actually run a session like a full blown session now don't get me wrong sae did give us those opportunities to bring in bands or to bring in different rappers or vocalists or whatever on your uh, project time where you can rent out the MIDI suites or the studios or whatever. But um, I just think it it was just based on us. And it, it wasn't a required. I think that type of thing needs to be required if you're going to, you know, in the education world. Um, but yeah, the ship that is was... something I feel good about with uh, where I work because we force yeah. that. Like you don't mm-hmm. get to opt out. You have to work the live events and you have to work the labs. Right. We provide bands for them too. Mm-hmm. To that's to super learn how cool. To do stuff. So yeah. that is something I feel like we do. Really yeah, well. I worked at a school after SAE uh, AIM Atlanta Institute of Music, and they did the same thing. They had more of a, a venue style, like a a stage area with audience and allowed the students to kind of come in and like actually build a stage for the events because it was a school that offered um you can major in um if if you're a musician you can major in drumming guitar bass or whatever so whenever they would have their events the students majoring in audio would be will set up would be the crew so that that was that was cool but yeah that's that's kind of how i i cut my teeth in the live world being on the ship because I was the only audio person on the ship. I was responsible for all the lounges on the ship and mixed all the shows in the main lounge um, and had to maintain like the speakers around the ship, on the deck that's outside, all the stuff. And I almost set the ship on fire once, but it was... Okay, so wait, hang on. What? What happened? (laughs) Well, she she had her... uh... Fire extinguisher certification because they make you do that. Exactly. <laughs> and they made me learn how to drive the like emergency boats. I don't even know yeah. how to swim. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't, I can't save anyone. <laughs> and you went on a cruise ship. I was a uh, lifeboat something leader, and I'm like, cool, right? <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. So you nearly set the ship on fire. At what? What happened? So <laughs> it was in the main lounge um, on this ship because I got transferred to a, a second ship after like a month and a half. 
Um, and it was a bigger ship with a bigger band. It was like a 10-piece band. And they were in this um, kind of pit that lowered. And then sometimes they would be on stage. And we had wedges that were built under the stage so that it could still be used in like cages. Of them. And the wedges went back, like just blew. So the band couldn't hear themselves and neither could the singers. So I'm at the amp trying to figure out you know, just troubleshooting, and I really, I don't remember what I did, I just remember seeing Sparks, and I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) We're going down at sea, (laughs) y'all. All All right. All right, I haven't gotten seasick or anything. I'm about to mess this up. But, how long how long into the cruise was this? Was this like like oh, halfway through or Yeah, I was pretty like <laughs> At least you made it that far. <laughs> I was far in. So I was like, <laughs> all right, you gotta you have to fix this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like no one else. It. Yeah, like, I fixed it. We got it. On fire. Got it going. It was <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> and you didn't have to evacuate the ship. That's no. great. <laughs> I didn't did have to drive the, ship, the emergency though. boat. <laughs> I got to go to a, a, a some places that, and we went to Hawaii, Alaska. That was main my main run. Um, Alaska and uh, British uh, somewhere in Canada. I can't remember Victoria. Mm, mm-hmm. um which is a great city like that was an amazing experience we were in victoria on canada day that year and it was like oh wow crazy yeah <laughs> um yeah it was cool and and it ended up like i was on a uh pm5d the entire time on the ship and then when i got the call for janelle that's the console that they wanted to use so i was like oh well perfect <laughs> you know the level of comfortability kind of inched up just a little because i knew I, at least i know the console yep mm-hmm. <laughs> if nothing else are you still on a pm5d no god no. what are y'all on now <laughs> uh digico sd12 nice now mm-hmm. what, what do you like about the sd12 versus the pm5d well it's smaller or- it's not a freaking <laughs> heavy dinosaur taken up Mm -hmm. and my production manager doesn't have to fight for seats now because (laughs) (laughs) i have to have a 5d but um it sounds better um Mm -hmm. and it's just as far as workflow and um user friendly um that makes life a lot better for me because a lot of times um one of the reasons I don't like doing monitors is because sometimes some things just kind of go over my head and I don't have time to, like, I'm just trying to mix. I just want this machine to do what I tell it to do. All this other stuff going on, like, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. You know, like on the Midas, the patching is kind of like an analog console and it's backwards and all this stuff. And it's like, I don't have time for this. Just one to one. Or if I need to soft patch, it needs to be easy, you know. Mm-hmm, but um, mm-hmm. I just and, and Digico support is amazing. Anytime I need them, they like hook me up. Awesome. <laughs> uh, we have two more questions that I want to make sure we hit before we wrap it up. Um, what is your go-to beverage? <laughs> um, 
Room temperature water. Just like room temperature, literally not cold at all. Yeah, I don't like cold mm-hmm. water. Dude, and it's not it's not out. really like good for you. You know, people yeah. think just because drinking water no, like your body has to warm up the water if it's cold, then you're not actually getting hydrated and all this stuff. So I I'm with you on that. I let my water <laughs> sit out till it gets room temp. Yeah, when I go to like restaurants or something, like I ask for water with no ice because they automatically mm-hmm. put ice in. Mm-hmm. But I I drank my life away in college. <laughs> <laughs> and on the ship. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much the other half of ship life is work. Oh, my God. Like, you are, when well, you're not at work, you're drunk. Because there's just nothing else to do. <laughs> and, and you have crew bar. Uh, did both, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And they are strict about that, too. Like, you are going home if you are out here belligerent and drunk and not doing your job. But, like. There's crew bar, and then there's crew members who are the bartenders in the crew bar, and they know your life, so they're pouring extra heavy. So nowadays, and especially I'm mid-30s now, so my body is like, girl, we can't really be, we can't, we can't do that anymore. Get you some water and move on. I hear that. Oh, man, it gets so much worse the older I get. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to so, hang out over here in my mid to late 20s. Yeah. <laughs> you just <laughs> wait. Hang on to this. <laughs> just, I'm going to enjoy it while like, I can. Mid 30s, yeah. the heartburn just never goes away. Oh, my God, I've started having heartburn. Yeah. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> I want to eat some spaghetti, but I don't want to, like, <laughs> burn it after. Oh, my God. What a nightmare being an adult is. (laughs) I embrace it. I do. But you really have to, like, start paying attention to your body. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And listening to it. Uh, What advice? I mean, that's excellent advice, actually. But what advice do you have uh, in, you know, like a a kind of quick, quick, condensed version for uh, people who are just starting out in the industry? Um, don't limit yourself. Um, now if you have a clear understanding of what you are good at, then yes, focus on that. But there are so many opportunities and audio is not even funny. Like just don't limit yourself and be open to things because you just, you never know. You just never know what, what you really like until you give yourself permission to be open to it that's excellent i i feel like the older i get the more uh my my feelings change about things too so Mm. like i'm doing something completely differently now than what i was 10 years ago because i was mixing you know front of house and theater 10 years ago and now i work in video production i'm a video technical director so uh i tried to keep it really open you know what i mean yeah, I did. I did a theater, a theater, theater production once, and here in Memphis, um, I forget the name. It was at Theater Memphis. I forget the name of the play. Once in once, once on this island, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't. I can't. But yeah. Plus, you just never know what you're gonna pull on. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, for for me, musically, I, I went to a music school, so I never knew that knowledge of Turkish instruments would come <laughs> in handy. You know, exactly. 
just having like some sort of basic understanding of percussion or knowing vocal technique as intimately as I do is extremely helpful across mm -hmm. multiple facets for multiple reasons. Um, and, you know, having some basic knowledge of lighting and video, just like in knowing how those worlds work and how they communicate is extremely beneficial in the long run. Just I think knowing any, like, just kind of knowing a little bit about everything as far as music is concerned. That's what I used to tell my students. I taught music theory as AE2, and that mm -hmm. was the class that the students hated the most because yeah. they were like, what do I need to know this for? But most of them want to be producers. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, why? You got to know chord structure and harmonic structure. You got to know like... chord structure and what yeah. key you're in. And mm -hmm. you can't be in a session as a producer and tell the engineer to throw auto-tune on it and you don't know the key. Auto-tune doesn't just work. You have yeah. to know the key of the song. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's not... You, you have to at least, like, know the basics of, mo mm -hmm. you know, anything that you're trying to do and trying to excel excel in. Especially if you're getting into composition or working yeah. with classical orchestras. Because like, that could take you somewhere. Even, like, look at Pharrell. Yeah. He's mm -hmm. probably, you know, he's been just producing... For a while but then it went into movie scoring and all this stuff and you have mm -hmm. to have it he probably he wouldn't be able to um handle that type of opportunity if he didn't know music mm -hmm. and the theory of music or mm -hmm. how to use certain instruments or what other instruments to use like do you know what a timpani is you mm -hmm. know like or mm -hmm. oboe or anything you know like you have to just yeah. kind of expand your your palate mm-hmm and there's joy in all of it. There's something it interesting in all of it. it you is. can always find something that's like, that piques your interest to make it, you know, more fun and engaging for yourself. For sure. Mm-hmm. Thank you, ladies, so much for spending time with us oh. on the podcast. That was great. I appreciate you guys. As we wrap up, we wanted to remind you that in the Sound Girls Living History Project, oral history interviews are being added as they come in. Right now, one of the new interviews is with Lenise Bent, an audio engineer who has worked in both the music and film industry. In the 1970s, Lenise worked in the Hollywood recording studio business in a technical role, and she's worked with musicians including Blondie, Fleetwood Mac, and many more. The interview was done by Aline Bruges, a Netherlands-based sound designer for feature films, TV series, and more. Here's a bit of Lenise. There was this artist years ago named Debbie Boone, and she had this enormous hit, You Light Up My Life. And she was coming in to do vocals on a record, and she had one day to sing 10 vocals because she was leaving at 6 in the morning for tours starting in Japan. And it was like a dance. We worked all night. The limo came at 6 a.m. and picked her up and took her to the airport. I learned more about producing vocals that long, long day and night than any other session I've ever worked on. Be sure to catch the full interview with Lenise Bent, along with all the other Living History interviews over on the Soundgirls website or the Soundgirls YouTube channel. Hey everybody, this is Tim from Tone Menders. In our latest episode, we talk with four-time Oscar winner Richard King 
He tells us about the ultra-complicated sound for Christopher Nolan's latest film, Tenant. We talk about creating interesting sound design for scenes happening in reverse, how to build cinematic body punches, and his thoughts on the controversy over the film's dialogue mix. Listen wherever you find podcasts or at ToneBendersPodcast.com. Thank you for listening to the Sound Girls podcast. You can find out more information on the website, soundgirls.org.